you know, he said it's okay just to, to be real and you know, I, I just had one of those weeks. Can I just be real with you? I, for part of the week, I would have to say it wasn't well with my soul. I've just been troubled in my spirit this week, and Pastor Matt saw a little bit of that. And it's just good to come back and be reminded and come back to the center that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. On my best day, I'm a child of God, and on my worst day, I'm still a child of God. Nothing can separate me from His love. Take your copy of Scripture, if you will, and turn to the book of Psalms, the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. You see, I've got these building blocks up here. Um, you know, as children, probably most of us did play with blocks. And, you know, you got you to have a strong base and a strong foundation to make these things build. And, you know, blocks are one thing, but I'm just going to tell you as a papa, I love playing in that dirt and that sand with my grandson Wyatt a few weeks ago at the beach and building those sand castles. We would get it, you know, my son and I are down there with him doing the dribble castle. We get it big and nice. And about that time, what does Wyatt do? He knocks it down. That's what kids do. It's important that we have a strong foundation in our Christian life so that when the storms of life and the waves of life come, they don't knock our life down if we're not centered on Jesus Christ. So, you know, it's been, gosh, some, some t- almost two years now that God led us to plant a multicultural, multi-generational church right here in this East Hall community where anybody and everybody can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that. We've seen God do that. He's the same God. And it's been said, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. It takes a strong core of believers like those of you that are here today for us to impact those that are not here today or for us to impact people who come for a ball tournament that may not have a church home or maybe they do have a church home, but they're away from their church home today and they get to come and worship with us. So as we've been going through this building block series, important spiritual disciplines, important things that every believer ought to know. You ought to know that you're saved more than anything else, right? Amen. Know that you have eternal security and nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. You ought to know what the gift of faith is that Pastor Roger preached about about a month ago. How, you ha- how our life has to be anchored in our faith in Jesus Christ. The important thing is not just having faith. Oh, have faith. I have faith. No. The important thing, what is the object of your faith? Jesus is the object of our faith. And Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then several weeks ago, Pastor Roger preached about the fact that we're saved to serve. We're saved to serve God by serving others. Sometimes I like to say we're supposed to be Jesus with skin on. Okay, people know there's a God. They may not be able to see him yet, but through us loving our community, through us planning an out-of-the-box church where there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with stained glass and pews and all that stuff. Those are the churches I've served in most of my ministry. I passed a bunch of those. We helped our daughter move to Athens yesterday. She's kind of transitioning. She's a neonatal intensive care nurse. And so um, some of you know she's gone through a difficult season. And her counselor said, why don't you do this in stages? So on the days that Holly works in NICU, she's got a nice home in Athens that friends helped her get. Had a friend spend the night with her last night, as well as our 90-pound black lab grand dog, Duke, who will guard her faithfully. And then on the other day, she'll be with us. She'll be back here next weekend with us when she's not working. I don't know how many little churches we passed. I didn't count them, but between here 
in Athens, going through the back roads and the country roads, actually Statham is where she's living. All the churches that are, there's nothing wrong with traditional church, stained glass, steeple, pews, and all that stuff, but that's just not what God's called us to be. We want to be a church where somebody that's never been to church can walk in and feel at home. Now, there ought to be something different about us. They're going to sense the presence of the Lord, but I don't wear blue jeans just to be comfortable. I wear jeans as the preacher so that people know, you ain't got to dress up. You don't have to be all fancy to come to church. Transformation Church. You just come because God is more concerned about our heart than our outward appearance. And if we're saved and we know Jesus, we will be compelled to share that message with other people. So as a church plant, you know, we've got different people coming with different ideas and different agendas, and we ought to be doing this, and we ought to be doing that. And that can be okay, but we better keep the main thing the main thing. If we don't keep the main thing the main thing, this church will fail like many church plants fail every year in America. You know, churches close their doors every single Sunday in America, and I say some of them ought to close their doors because they're nothing more than a family social club and a place for people to get together. But we at Transformation Church, it is not just a church. It's not just people serving community, but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. And that's the main thing. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. How much do we talk about Jesus? How much do we talk about the gospel in the course of our week? As we go to church and as we live in our neighborhood, we know it's the main thing as Christians. I had no idea they were going to be here today. They told me they were going to come some time ago, but I met Mike and Tammy when I was working my Nabisco job in Walmart, what, about a month ago? Mike doesn't know who I am. I don't know who he is. Guess what Mike did? He starts to witness to me and share the gospel. How great that y'all are here today. It illustrates what our sermon is all about, keeping the main thing, the main thing, and sharing the gospel. I don't know about you, but when another Christian doesn't know me and they witness to me, it just lights my fire all the more. This is what we're all supposed to be doing, talking about Jesus wherever we go. And it's more than an invitation to church. You ought to see. I hope you didn't just sit on them and ignore them. But again, part Part of, you, part of the fact that you give and invest in what God is doing are these little invite cards. Now, we all have different personalities. Not everybody's outgoing. Some people are shy. But I put these in every chair. Put, they'll fit in your wallet. They'll fit in your purse. And it's an invite card to invite people to our church. And it's got our website and information. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is on the back. That's the plan of salvation. That's the Romans road to salvation because it is the gospel that transforms lives. So I challenge you to put these in your billfold or in your pocketbook. We shared with a waitress this week. I mean, wherever you go, it's just so easy to do that. You say, I don't really know how to share my faith, preacher. If you can read, you can do it. Say, can I give you something? And just read to them what it says right there. It's keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah, invite people to church. And I promise you, if you invite them, we'll share the gospel with them. But the Great Commission is not just for preachers, it's for everybody. So today we're kind of coming back to ground zero. Why did we plant this church? Why are we here? Are there not enough churches in Hall County? The answer is no. The answer is no, because in the next 30 years, the population of this county is predicted to triple. And yes, there's lots of churches. If every church in Hall County was filled to capacity today, and we know they're not, there would still be tens of thousands of unchurched people out there. So Lakewood's going to reach people that we're not going to reach. Christ Place is going to reach people that we're not going to reach. But we may reach some people that they won't reach. You know, when you go fishing, you fish with different bait, right? So there's different ways to reach people. It's all about reaching people with the gospel. So if you're physically able, let's stand together.
And I told you to turn to Psalm 126, stay there. But before I read that, I want to read the Great Commission. You know, Jesus was about to ascend back to heaven. He'd been crucified, um, and he, he rose again. He's on earth. He's about to send back, ascend back to heaven. And it, the most important thing he could share, if, I, if God was calling me to move to Brazil or somewhere, and today was the last time I got to talk to you, I would want to talk to you about the most important thing I could. And that's what Jesus said. This is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Why did he say that? That's the premise. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about what Jesus has done. He has all authority. Okay, so on that premise, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, when you invest in Transformation Church, you help us reach East Hall. But when you invest in Transformation Church, a portion of every dollar you give goes to support the International Mission Board with people all around the world. So I might not get together to every country, but every dollar that I give can help invest in that because he says, make disciples of all the nations. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then our text for today, Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Lord Jesus, remind us today to keep the main thing the main thing. You are the main thing. This church is all about you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So while there's many things we can do as a church family, and all of them wouldn't be bad, Lord, in the middle of all of that, help us to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus that can transform anybody and everybody. And it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. When we study Scripture, you know, to, we, we really need to study Scripture in context. So I got to tell you up front, contextually, this psalm was written in the specific context of pilgrims ascending back to Jerusalem. They were going back to Jerusalem, and they were praying, and they were weeping, and they were asking God to restore their crops and to restore their fortunes. That's the context of the Scripture. But the best commentary of Scripture is other Scripture. So as you study one passage of Scripture, you study the whole of Scripture, I think there's some evangelistic principles we can learn from these two verses in Psalm to help us keep the main thing, the main thing. Write this down if you can. Number one, God wants us to go to those who don't know Him. God wants us to go to those who don't know Him. When we started meeting and praying at Tom and Anita Wilson's house about two years ago, and then we started meeting out here with a group of college students, the Holy Spirit of God said, this is the place. This community center is where you ought to be, because if you look in that parking lot today, the community comes here. You know, we're not having to go out there and find a lot of people. They're coming here. That's why we chose to plant in this community center. People that are not going to step foot in the stained glass steeple church, but they might come in here with us and worship today. We're to go where the people are. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, they go to plant their seed. Well, before we had tractors and combines and all that equipment, that was the way the old farmers did it. They had a cloth seed bag they would sling over their shoulder, and they would go out, and they would plant the seed. They would go and plant the seed, knowing and praying that the harvest would come. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to plant the seeds of the gospel. we got to go and do that. There was a day and an age in our country where you could say, hey, we're having a pizza blast, and lost kids would come. Hey, we're going to have a gospel singing 
and lost people would come. Those days are over. We got to go out there where they are, which is the essence of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And really, a better translation of that from the original Greek really is, as you are going, make disciples. We're to go, but really, just like Mike and Tammy are shopping in Walmart, they don't know me from Adam. They started sharing the gospel with me as they were going. That's what you and I are supposed to do, share the gospel as we're going. That seed does not do a bit of good in that seed pack. That seed does not do a bit of good in that farmer's bag. I opened a drawer at our house the other day, and I found some seeds I bought a few years ago and never planted. I don't have any vegetables to show for that. You know why? Because those seeds are still in that drawer because I'm senile and forgot I even bought the things. The seed has got to be planted, not pocketed. It's not enough that you and I have the gospel and we know Jesus as the Lord of our life. But we've got to plant that seed in the hearts of unbelievers. The Great Commission compels us to go and to have those gospel conversations like Mike and Tammy had with me. So I don't know what to do. Here's a simple, easy thing for you to do. Everybody has opinions, right? You know, the old saying, opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got two, and a lot of them stink. People want to share their opinions. So ask somebody, in your personal opinion, what does it take for a person to go to heaven? Let them talk, no matter how wacky, no matter how off the wall. You just let them share their opinion. Let them talk and say Okay, do you mind if I tell you what the Bible says? And you just pull out this card. If you haven't memorized, I challenge you to memorize the Romans Road. But if you haven't, pull out, can I tell you what the Bible says? Because it's not about Mike's opinion or your opinion. We want to know what does the Bible say about how you go to heaven. Anybody and everybody can do that. It's not enough to pocket the seed. We've got to plant the seed. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, when our church first started meeting before we ever launched, we went verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts, the first century church, and how in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Lord says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power is translated from the word dunamis, which means like dynamite, power. That's, you got gospel dynamite living inside of you that can blow up and bust up the hardest of hearts when we plant the seeds of the gospel. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when does that happen? At the moment of your salvation, at the moment your life is transformed, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And he says, and you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say sign up for an evangelism course, although there's nothing wrong with that. He doesn't say you got to memorize a bunch of verses, although we ought to do that. He doesn't say you have to do that. When the Holy Spirit's in you, you will be my witnesses. You know, a testimony, I love to hear testimony. I could just listen to testimonies all day and all night. There are three important parts to your personal testimony. What your life was like before you met Jesus. How did you know you were lost and come to meet Jesus? That's number two. And for me, the most important part is number three. How's your life different now? If you're saved, you've got a story to tell. And Acts 1 8 says we're to share that with people everywhere in Jerusalem or East Hall for us, Judea, Northeast Georgia, Samaria, the United States, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we, as we studied Acts, we saw how God used persecution to spread the gospel. So gone are the days you can just put a sign out and say, We got a church and a gospel sing or a potluck supper. No, we've got to go after them as we're going and share that. We want to be a community focused church. We are focused on this Northeast Georgia East Hall community, knowing that God also wants us to touch the nations. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. You want to know how to be smart? 
You know how to be wise? There's a difference between smart and wise, right? You can have book smart. I know some book smart Georgia Tech educated engineers ain't got sense enough to come in out of the rain. You can be book smart, but I want to have wisdom. You want to have wisdom? Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. Now, now understanding the con- I can't win a soul. I can't make somebody get saved, and that's liberating to me. As a new Christian, I didn't understand all that. I still remember the first person I ever shared the gospel with. His name was Keith. I won't say his last name because we're on the Internet. I finally got up the nerve. I'm in the ninth grade. I'm a new Christian. I want to share my faith, and I finally got up the nerve to share a little bit with this guy, Keith, that I went to school with, and he just blew me off. I was so defeated. I was crushed. I thought, what did I do wrong? I didn't do something right. Did I say the wrong thing? Did I not? I had to grow and be discipled. We're going to talk about what it means to grow in discipleship next week with Pastor Roger. You don't want to miss that. I had to be discipled to learn, Mike, it's not about you. You just plant the seed. It's God that gives the increase. You plant the seed, and you trust God. You may have heard me share this before. I heard about years ago they sent a shoe salesman to some jungles of Africa to sell shoes. And he goes over there, and he gets all discouraged. He's not selling any shoes. He's been there for months. And he calls back to headquarters and says, look, I'm coming home. You're going to have to find somebody else to do this job. None of these people even wear shoes. So he comes home. A few months later, they send another salesman over to Africa where the people in that particular area were not selling, were not wearing any shoes at all. That guy sells all the shoes. He radios back, send more shoes. There's barefooted prospect people everywhere. I'm telling you, there's prospects everywhere all around us. 86% of people in the state of Georgia, I'm not talking about New York or California, 86% of people in our state are not in church anywhere today on any given Sunday. So that means if 14% of people in Georgia are in church on a Sunday, are all of those saved? Mm-mm. Some are in cults and churches that don't preach the truth. It doesn't mean they're saved just because they're in church. So the prospects are everywhere. There's barefooted people everywhere for us to sell shoes to. No, I'm talking about sharing the gospel with them. Jesus himself descended the stars and the staircase of heaven to come to this earth to share the message of the gospel with us and to make it possible that we could be saved. Jesus Christ dropped the seed of the gospel into the heart of an immoral woman at the well. And she ran back and told everybody she knew. And people came running to see Jesus because of that one seed. Remember Philip? The Holy Spirit said, you need to get up and go. And he encountered the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the book of Isaiah. And he said, do you understand that? Let me tell you what it really means. And he shared the gospel. And people over in Africa and Ethiopia came to know Christ because of that eunuch who went back and shared the gospel. It's one of the reasons we're so intentional to be bilingual at Transformation Church. It is exciting to me that we have an opportunity to invest in people from South America and other parts of the world, and they come to know Jesus. They share with their family back home, or they go back home and share with their family. It's so exciting that we get to do that because we can see from the Ethiopian unit that whole continent was shook for the gospel. Andrew came, met Jesus, went and got his brother Peter. You know, Andrew, we don't know a whole lot about Andrew. It says he's the brother of Peter. He went and got Peter. Peter's the one we read a lot about in Scripture, probably one of the ones I relate to the most. 
You know why? Because he always put his foot in his mouth. I've got a way of saying the wrong thing at the, at the wrong time like Peter or just speaking without thinking sometimes. That was Peter. But God used him to, to, to preach and thousands came to faith in Christ. The apostle Paul was a terrorist. He shook two continents for Jesus. Why? Because he planted the seed of the gospel. He didn't pocket that. I've shared with some of you before about my friend Jason Sykes. Jason is a big old tall buff dude. He's got a giant tattoo of Ugga, uh, the Georgia Bulldog on his arm. Covers most of his arm right there. Jason was a, was a pitcher in the Phillies farm organization years ago. Jason came to our church in Warner Robins. Um, Jason's brother came to know Jesus Christ. Jason's brother got saved. Ken Sykes got saved. So Ken goes back and he shares with his brother Jason Jason got saved. Jason shares with his girlfriend, Kelly. Kelly got saved. Jason and Ken shared with their cousin, Ben Nash. Ben gets saved. Then Ben's wife gets saved. And then there was a young lady by the name of Stephanie Etheridge that was Kelly's best friend. And she would come to Jason and Kelly's house at night, and they called it Jesus time. She just asked them all kind of questions about the Bible. Stephanie was just asking. They called it Jesus time. Stephanie Etheridge came to know Jesus. I had the privilege to baptize Stephanie Etheridge. I had the privilege to do the wedding of Stephanie Etheridge. Her last name now. That was Purdue. Her husband, Jim Purdue, is the um, descending pastor of Transformation Church. She's the first lady of Second Baptist Church. Now, why? Because a big old dude who played ball for the Phillies came to know Jesus. Oh, their daddy, too. I'll never forget those two giant boys. Their dad wasn't as tall as them. And they're walking down the aisle with their daddy in the middle with tears pouring down his face. That's what the gospel does. When you share the gospel with one person, you never know what it's going to lead to. Because when you put a seed in the ground, it's going to yield the harvest. It kind of reminds me, Psalm 126.6 reminds me of an old song. Some of you remember it. Bring it in the sheaves, bring it in the sheaves. We shall come what? Rejoicing, bring it in the sheaves. But we got to plant the seed. Those seeds in that drawer at my house will not do a bit of good. Number one, God wants us to go to those who don't know him. Number two, God wants us to weep for those who don't know him. God wants us to weep for those who don't know him. Look at verse number six. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant the seed. So I picture that old farmer with that cloth seed bag in times of drought. They're about to go broke. They don't have any crops to feed the family. And he puts a seed in the ground and he waters it with a tear. And he puts another seed in the ground and he waters that with his tears. He's watering the crops with his tears. We need to ask God to break our hearts for those who don't know him i will never forget i share it with you often you may get tired to hear tired of hearing it but i don't get tired of telling it i was a lost teenager going to a church i'd never been in that church i'd never seen anything like it all the teenagers sat down front when i did go to church all the teenagers sat in the back they all sat down front they gave that in, the invitation at the end and all those kids filed out and went to the altar to pray and left this guy standing there all by myself i was embarrassed I was mad because did, I didn't know the rules of that church. And what you're supposed to do, I'd never been there before. And these kids would leave me standing there like an idiot, sticking out like a sore thumb until a guy by the name of Eddie McLemore came to me and he said, Mike, when you see us down there praying, listen, I'm from a broken home. My parents had divorced. My papa was dying of cancer. My great-grandmother was dying of cancer. A hurting kid. They said, Mike, when you see us praying, we're praying for you. 
You don't think that will melt the heart of a 15-year-old boy who's already hurting? I'm so thankful. Not only did they share with me, they showed me with their life, and they watered their crops with tears for nobody like me. God wants us to weep for those who don't know him. Uh, my, my mom had to work full-time. My mom was a, was a young mama. If you see her now, you'll think she's, she's my younger sister, but she's my mama. I was, she was 17 when I was born. and So a lady by the name of Rosalie Talbert raised me and my sister because my mama had to work. And I learned Rosalie didn't know how to read or write but she was a wise woman she loved the Lord and she had a lot of wisdom one of the things Rosalie taught us was about gardening Rosalie said take those seeds like if you had a watermelon save the seeds she'd put them in a wet paper towel because Rosalie said that would make the seeds germinate faster we got to water our crops. We got to we got to plant the seed of the gospel and we ought to weep over those it's hard being a Christian Listen, I'm the preacher, and I just told you I struggled this week. It's hard when you know Jesus. It's still hard. We know the best is yet to come. But can you imagine facing this world without the Lord? I can't imagine facing a normal day, much less a difficult time. Raylene and Randy Brown, you know, she got the phone call. If you weren't here last week, you didn't hear. She got the phone call from her cousin that her cousin's son and his two teenage daughters were killed in an accident, leaving behind his wife and four little children. Thank God they knew Jesus. They have a strong faith. But even then, can you imagine that, that spouse losing her husband and two oldest girls? And you got to explain that to four little kids. I'm so thankful they know Jesus and they got the hope of the gospel. It's still hard. Their lives are never going to be the same. But imagine that as a lost person. Thank God somebody along the line had shared the gospel with them. Thank God somebody had shared Jesus with them. And they know the best is yet to come. And if they put their faith in Jesus, those little ones one day, they will see their daddy and sisters again. So it's tough living this life today. Jesus said it's going to get tougher as we get to the end times. As we get closer to the end of the age, it's going to get harder and harder. There's going to be a greater polarization, which we're already seeing this, a greater polarization of good and evil. You know, people are going to have to be more godly and grow closer to Jesus. And wickedness, when you think it can't get any worse, my word, just turn on the TV, but don't do it for long because it will depress you and make you sick. I was telling Rob, I used to go to Planet Fitness and put in my, my headphones and I would watch the news. I had to stop doing that. I just, I don't, you know, I read headlines. I want to know what's going on in the world, but I can't immerse myself in that because it gets me down because I believe we are living in the end times. I believe God's given us the two-minute warning. He's about to blow the whistle and say, get out of the pool. Jesus is coming soon. We're living it. So we're seeing that polarization of good and evil. We ought to weep for those who don't know him. You know, people, sometimes people think tears are for the hyper-emotional and the ignorant. You know, as little boys, what are little boys taught? Boy, little boys don't do what? They don't cry. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Some of the strongest heroes in Scripture wept. Moses wept over the idolatry of the people. Jeremiah was known in the Old Testament as the weeping prophet. He served faithfully. He didn't see a lot of fruit in his ministry. In the book of Nehemiah, the people wept when the word of the Lord was read. The apostle Paul spoke of shedding many tears. And on three different occasions, the tears of the, our Savior Jesus Christ stained the pages of Scripture. The shortest verse in the English language is what? Jesus wept. I say the English language is not the shortest verse in Greek. The shortest verse in Greek is pray without ceasing. But that's the shortest verse. Jesus, three different occasions, Jesus wept. So you're going to tell me a wimp? 
No, he wasn't a wimp. He was a strong carpenter. He got crucified on a cross for our sins. He had the power to call 10,000 angels to come and get him, but he had that strength under control to serve the Father and do the will of the Father. There's power in our tears of our prayers. When Jesus went out in in, uh, Matthew, he looked out over the city, and he says he saw the city, and he was moved with compassion over them. He didn't just weep, but the original language indicates it made him sick to his stomach when he saw. Why? Because they were weary and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus saw. You know, so many churches call a preacher, put him in a dead refrigerator, and expect him to sweat. They expect him to sweat. There's power in the tears of a praying church. We want to be a praying church. That's why, as Pastor Matt said, on the back of that Connect card, every week there are places for you to put your prayer request there. Tears can do what no preacher can do. Do you hear me? My wife was blessed to grow up at First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida, one of the largest churches and the Southern Baptist Convention, and Dr. Jerry Vines, who was president of our convention, was her pastor. And Dr. Vines tells the story of going to witness that this old hard-headed drunk daddy, the wife came to church, and she'd given her life to Jesus. Dr. Vines, will you come share with my husband? And he goes share with that hard-headed, hard-hearted guy. Nothing, guy had no interest, wouldn't listen. But Dr. Vines said one time he was there, and he shared with them, and he looked over, and he saw tears pouring in that mama's face. Look at that little girl, tears pouring in that little girl's face. That a Down syndrome little boy, and that little boy's little lip was quivering and tears pouring down his face. Dr. Vine said something supernatural happened in that house that day. That daddy repented of his sins, and he gave his life to Jesus. He'd heard the gospel before. He'd rejected the gospel before, but the tears of his praying family brought him to repentance. Not only do we have to plant the seed of the gospel, we ought to, we ought to weep over those. People weep over dadgum ball games and politics and chick flicks and the weather and sports and everything else we ought to weep over the fact that people are lost and going to hell if you've known us very long you know that um our top prayer request has been our son-in-law sadly about to no longer be my son-in-law but i still pray for him that boy needs the lord lost people act like lost people because they're lost and they don't know any better but yet the average church in america that you go to we used to call it when i was growing up wednesday night was called what y'all remember prayer meeting is what we called it how many of them ever really were not a lot that I ever went to. It was another church service, another, but we called it prayer meeting. And the prayer request usually sounded like an organ recital. I'm not talking about like a pipe organ, but my, my cousin's heart, my, 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 my grandmama's left toe, her, her bunions. She needs bifocals, her heart, her liver, her kidney, her gallbladder. There's nothing wrong with praying for any of those things. The Bible says we ought to pray about everything, okay? There's nothing, but we spend more time praying to keep saved people out of heaven than we do praying to keep lost people out of hell. Now, see, that's a good place for me to say amen right there. I'm going to say it again. We spend more time praying to keep saved people out of heaven than we do lost people out of hell. That ought to move us with compassion. The average church in America, and I've served some of them, they show more emotion when over something not going their way. They get bent out of shape over the, the, the color of the carpet or the fact that we got chairs and not pews or the fact that we're focused on reaching college students to invest in. People get more emotional about stuff like that than the fact that people are lost and going to hell. Listen, 
I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I do not have a degree in church planting. Pastor Matt does not have a degree in church planting. So we go to people who do. We listen to the ones who've done the research. I want you to be comfortable here. I think this we got a good place to worship. But we go to extra lengths to provide some things that you don't care about, I don't care about. Signs, I don't care. You know, security in the nursery, I trust the Lord lights and sound and i don't care as long as we got us and jesus and the gospel we're good but lost people research says these are things that will appeal to lost people and make them more interested so while our our methods have got to change we can't do church the way we did in 1970 or even 1990 the message is the same jesus is the same yesterday today and forever but we got to do things different so pastor matt and i have researched those methods we've listened to the people that tell us this is what we need to do to appeal to them. And I go back to a quote from Pastor Jim Perdue when he came to Second Baptist. He said, are we going to be the church that our grandparents loved or the church that our grandchildren can't wait to get to? Listen, I thank God for grandparents who loved the Lord and who had a church and who went to church. My granny, Faustine Dura, played the piano in a little country church. But that little country church doing things the way they did when I was a baby and a little boy is not going to reach people in 2023 and beyond. We're interested in reaching the... The next generation, every generation, but you know, I know most everybody in this room, and most of you have told me you already know the Lord. Most of you have confessed that to me. What about those outside of here who don't? We want to do things and to weep for those who don't know the Lord. If we really believe, if we really believe people who don't know the Lord, our unsaved grandchildren, our unsaved neighbors, if we really believe they're lost and going to hell, I'm not going to care about pews and chairs and the color of the carpet and any of that stuff's not going to matter. We ought to weep for them. Plant the seed and weep over them. Number three, God wants us to plant the transforming seeds of the gospel. We got to go, we got to weep, and we got to plant the transforming seeds of the gospel so that this beautiful little newborn princess can grow up and be taught that Jesus loves her, that Jesus, isn't she beautiful that Jesus died for her to her first time being in church what a beautiful beautiful little thing she is to I want her to be in a church that maybe maybe Desiree's mama went to a different kind of church that might not appeal to this little one we want to be a church that appeals to her but I think you can be both I think you can be a church that our grandparents loved and a church that our grandchildren can't wait to get to I think we can be both first Corinthians 15 Verses 1 through 4 says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. Christ died for our sins just as the Scripture said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day just as the Scripture said. That is the seed of the gospel. In the New Testament parable of the sower, Jesus said the seed is the precious word of God. Let skeptics doubt the seed if they want to, lest you and I sow the seed. Let pagans deny the seed if they want to, lest you and I share the seed. You know, when my grandson was born, I planted some fruit trees in my backyard. I thought it'd be cool for those trees to grow up with Wyatt as he got older. And I got two apple trees back there. You know, last year the deer ate most of them. I got two or three out of them. I spent a fortune this year to keep the deer away. And then we had that early frost. I got one peach on my peach trees after that early frost. But you know what? If, if I get one apple this year, 
There there may be an apple on that tree, but you know what else? There's an orchard in that apple. You know why? Because you pick an apple and there's seeds all in there. You plant the seed of the gospel. You let it break your heart. You water the seeds of the gospel, and you may get to lead a Ken Sykes to Jesus who can impact all of his family to Jesus. Just as there's an apple in an orchard, there's an orchard in every apple. Yeah, invite people to church. Yeah, it's okay to tell people you're excited about your church, but they need to hear the gospel because it might not ever come here. There's power in the seed of the gospel. I've said before, I've never had anybody say, you know what? I used to be like that woman at the well. I was immoral, and I read a geometry book, and it changed my life. Nobody's ever told me that. You know, I used to be a drunk, used to be an alcoholic, and I read this math book, and it set me free. Nobody's ever told me that before. I used to be a thief. I had sticky fingers. I'd steal from people, and I, and I read a history book, and it transformed my life. I've never had anybody tell me that, but I've had drunks. I've had thieves. I've had alcoholics. I've had young ladies who've had abortions say, I got a hold of this book, and it transformed my life. I got a hold of the seeds of the gospel, and it transformed my life. If it transformed my life, and I know it can transform their life, why ain't I sharing that more with them? That's bad grammar, but it's truth right there. Why are we not sharing that more like we ought to be? God wants us to go and plant the seeds of the gospel, and then we get to do what the old hymn says, number four. God wants us to rejoice over those who come to him. God wants us to rejoice over those who come to him. The New King James says, He who continually, it's a present active thing there, continually goes forth weeping. Great commission, as you're going, bearing the seed for sowing, shall doubtless, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, gardening is fun. You plant some seeds. Went to Panama City. I planted zucchini and squash. I came back. I had a zucchini as big as a watermelon. It's just sitting on my table to admire right now. There's fun in that, okay? It's just fun for me anyway to watch things grow. Far more exhilarating to share the seed of the gospel and see somebody get saved and see them share the gospel with somebody else. Shall doubtless come again with shouts of joy, it says. Paul said, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. If you're talking to somebody and they're a sports fanatic, talk about sports with them. If you don't know, just, uh, just listen to them. If you talk to somebody and they're all about their grandkids, let them tell about their grandkids, you tell them about yours. But what's the purpose in all of that? You're looking for that common ground with somebody. If you'll just let people talk and listen, you'll find the common ground, and God will give you that open door to share the gospel with them. The truth, the reality is, because I don't want you to get discouraged like I was as a new Christian, the majority of people we witness to are not going to get saved. That's what the Bible, the Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. So I understand that. But Paul said, I planted the seed in your hearts, Apollos watered it, but God gives the increase. Everybody's not going to get saved, I share with, but some will. And if one does and he shares with another and he shares with his wife and she shares with somebody else, it's well worth all of that. If you sow a seed and another rejoices, more power to you. You know, the greatest joy in my life as a pastor, as a, as a youth pastor for most of my ministry, is looking at young people that God let me invest in and see them come to faith in Christ. And they're pastoring bigger churches today than I'll ever pastor. One young man in Eastern Europe sharing the gospel. I get more excited about that. Uh, yeah, I love to share the gospel, but when you get to invest in somebody else and disciple them, as Pastor Roger is going to talk about next week, when you get to do that and watch them share the gospel, that's multiplication of ministry. See, it's not just addition. 
I can go out this week and I can lead somebody to Jesus. I'll bring them back and there's two of us. I go back the next week and I get somebody else and then there's three of us. Go back the next week, another, there's four of us. How about if I did this though? I don't want to steal Pastor Roger's thunder of next week. What if I reach somebody with the gospel, I disciple them and I teach them to win people to Jesus and both of us get somebody else. I got four people the next week. If all four are discipled, you go out and you got eight the next week. Transformation Church wants to be about multiplication of ministry, a multiplication of the gospel, not just addition. So we got to get out there. And you know, there's some people out there in the world today. They're good people. I think a lot of them are saved and know the Lord. But they, they got this, what I think is a false theology, that God's got the whole thing rigged. Either there's only certain people going to get saved, and the others can just go to hell. There's more and more people that I love and I know who teach that mess. You know, if you ever noticed, the more you share the gospel, the more people get saved. The more faithful we are to share the gospel, the more people get saved. I'm not going to go down that fatalistic road that God's got the whole thing rigged and it doesn't matter what you do. Because if I read my Bible right, he says we're to go and make disciples as you're going all over. Keep Instead of being fishers of men, the Bible says we ought to go out and learn to fish for men. I got a friend from my hometown who's on a fishing trip at Lake Eufaula. He texted me this morning. I said, as you're fishing for fish, you pray for us as we fish for souls up here in northeast Georgia today. Um, there was a girl by the name of Kathy Brown. Her daddy's name was Marshall Brown. He drove a bread truck, got up early in the morning. I used to think, why does that man do that, get up so early in the morning to go to work? You're looking at a guy who does that. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go work for Nabisco like her daddy did. Single parent, that man raised three girls with his mother's help because their mama had abandoned them. They didn't have much. Kathy had old beat up brown. I don't remember what kind of car it was, but it was a brown car. Kathy didn't have a lot, but she used what she had for the Lord. You know what she did with that beat up brown car? She drove down Cemetery Road to pick up a dude who grew up in a mobile home named Mike Dura, and she would take me to church in that old beat-up brown car. Because Kathy Brown cared enough about me to invest in me. I get to share the gospel with people today, and she serves. She lives in northeast Georgia now as well, serving as a, as a worship leader in her church there. You don't have to have a lot to make a big difference. There was a guy who was studying to be a doctor so that he'd go on the mission field with the gift of medicine. And the doctor that he was working under was a notorious atheist. He didn't believe the word at all. And they're doing surgery one day. He's teaching the young man. He said, dude, you really believe all that Jesus stuff you're always talking about? He said, yes, sir, of course I believe that. You really got, you want to go and live in a foreign country to share that? Yes, sir, I want to believe that. Son, you really believe that people who die without Jesus, they literally go to a burning place, a fire called hell? He said, yes, sir, I believe that. That old doctor pulled his glasses down on his nose and looked at him and said, Son, if you believe that, you can't live like the rest of folks live. Ladies and gentlemen, we who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can't live like the rest of folks live because people are dying and going to hell. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's, let's land this airplane. Number one, we ask God to break your heart for those who are headed to hell. You ask God to break your heart for those who are headed to hell. You know, we can get in the zone. We're, we're doing our business. We're always in a hurry. At least I'm always in a hurry, it seems like. And I can get in the zone and just forget that I'm surrounded by people that need to know the Lord. I can just do my thing and forget about that. Let's ask God all over again to break our hearts for those in this community. 86% of people in Georgia not in church anywhere. More than that percent don't know the Lord. Number two, will you get out of your comfort zone to share the seeds of the gospel with others? you got to get out of your comfort zone to do that. It's not natural. 
And the devil sure don't want you to do that. He's going to make you feel awkward and uncomfortable. That's the devil's job is to fight the work of the Lord. Get out of your comfort zone. You can ask somebody. In your opinion, what does it take for a person to go to heaven when they die? Listen, here's what, can I tell you what the Bible says? And you share that with them. But you got to be absolutely certain that you know the Lord. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've repented of your sins, you've asked the Lord to forgive you and to be the Lord of your life? Romans 8 says, when that has happened and your life has been transformed, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. And if you know him, you go back to Acts 1-8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Transformation Church, let's keep the main thing the main thing. If you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, if you know about him right here in your head, I don't remember a time in my life I didn't know about him in my head, but in your heart. You realize what Jesus did for you. You turn from your sins. You ask him to forgive you and make him the Lord and the boss of your life. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Pray with me, church. Father, I'm so thankful for a gospel that transforms lives. I'm so thankful for high school students who cared about a nobody like me. God, I'm so thankful for those who loved a big old baseball player named Jason Sykes and Ken Sykes that they shared the gospel with them and we saw you transform an entire family in middle Georgia. Lord, as may we as a church, as people come in here with different opinions and different ideas of what our church ought to be about, Lord, in the midst of all of that, help us to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's reaching people with your gospel. If there's anyone here today or listening on the World Wide Web that's unsure of their relationship with you, God, I pray today they turn from doing things their way. They realize that you loved them so much. You died on an old rugged cross for their sins. You were buried. You rose again three days later so that we could have eternal life. God, may they receive the seed of the gospel today. And may you move all of us with compassion the way Jesus was. It's in his name we pray. Amen.